Field Notes brand, USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrands.com or 400 North May in Chicago. It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews with the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Jaime Black. I host this podcast at dynastypodcast.com. This week, Matt Devine of Kill Hannah, in a Google Hangouts chat, broadcasts live in support of his book, Weird War One, The Anti-Hero's Guide to Surviving Everyday Life. Here's how that sounds. All right, so we are live. Jaime Black with Dynasty Podcasts on with Matt Devine. How are you doing, man? I'm good. You look yeah, great, man. and you look so um, cleanly shaven. Yeah, you know, I, everybody does the beard thing, and I think I'm just going the opposite way. <laughs> no, it looks good. It makes me it makes me look like an even beard dirtbag. No way. Not at all, man. You look good. Um, you know, we chatted for a second before we kind of took this broadcast live, but I haven't really seen you in about a year. The last time I saw yeah. you was uh, JBTV. Yeah, last Christmas, yeah. Yeah, man. How have you been? I've been good. I've been in I've been in LA this whole time. I came out here in um I came out here just about a year ago and I found myself officially kind of living here, which I never ever thought would happen, you know? I came out here to make my solo record. Yeah, man, that's crazy. You've been on kind of a personal tour, you know, like not a tour with like Phil Hannah, but you lived in New York for a while and now you're in LA and what's yeah. like next or I got to do. I'm I'm really lucky that way. You know, I can't imagine if I if I, you know, as much as I love Chicago, obviously, you and I are both kind of ambassadors for Chicago. But at the same time, like it's cool. It's it's really lucky to have a chance to live other places. Um, but LA is just one of those things I just never saw coming. <laughs> I came out here for two weeks to make a record that turned into three three months, and then I was like. You know, I was in such a beautiful house for a minute, and I was looking out the window, and there's, like, hummingbird, and there's, like, an orange tree, and there's, like, flowers, and it smells like flowers. I'm like, <laughs> I kind of like this, you know? I'll put up with the absolute lunatics and the, like, face-tattooed, meth-addict homeless people a little bit longer. Yeah, you definitely don't get that sense of nature in New York. And, I mean, if you really search for it, you can get it a little bit in Chicago, but I know that it's much more prevalent out on, you know, the West Coast for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's just like one big comfortable, like, mental asylum out here. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. Um, how's the year been treating you? How's 2014 starting off for you? Really cool. I, uh... I have a birthday coming up in April, and I don't know if I kind of applied this pressure to myself, but all these projects are all kind of coming to a head at the same time right now, which is really cool, but it's also, you know, my head's spinning a little bit. So I've got, for example, um, this book was, it was, the concept for it came up like a year and a half ago. I didn't know it was going to take this long to really flesh it out and clean it up and organize it and edit and rewrite it and all that stuff i just i kind of underestimated what's involved with making a book and so i kind of thought this would be out maybe six months ago and so let's talk about weird war one this is a new book that you wrote 
Um, it was published online. It's like a digital ebook, which is really, really cool. Um, people can like access it on their tablets and their smartphones and their laptops. You know, there's so many places to start. Like, did you ever think you would be writing a book? Was this something that you, in the back of your head, always thought like, you know, one day I'll get around to writing my book? Or was this very much kind of a, a, a sudden idea for you? It was one of these things that I have like hundreds of these ideas in the back of my head that I really underestimate what it takes to execute them. And this was one of those things. Like uh, when I started writing that blog, the tour blog for Fuse years ago, people would suggest, you know, like you should really write a book because people were entertained by just how, I don't know, by like the things I was writing about and just the kind of ridiculous nature of the things that we do as a band. And then this came up and, you know, it was another idea like, you know, we definitely should pull together the best of this advice column but it wasn't until thought catalog and and the founder of thought catalog really set a deadline and really offered to publish it and all that then then i really went for it and that's so i started spending like i don't know like a couple hours every morning at starbucks just writing even if i was you know if i was in the studio that day if i was whatever else i was doing i would start each day writing this book and I had no idea it was going to take like a year and a half to come out. Well, let's talk about like the creative process of making this happen, because that I think is really interesting, at least to me. Are you somebody who works really well in the morning? Do you work really well at night? Do you work well at home? Or do you, you know, do you get the best oh, man. to go to a place like Starbucks? I can't work at home. Like, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like everyone's different, right? Like some people can only work at home. I'm the opposite. If I'm at home, I have too many distractions. Like, it's just I'm too lazy. It's just I was that way in college. Like I could not possibly do work when the sun was shining. Like I had, I'm just a generally like lazy person. So it was like, I I force myself in the morning. I get up early, go to Starbucks or whatever cafe that has an outlet. Like I became you know like a gypsy. You know like kind of homelessy. Like you go anywhere where there's an outlet and Wi-Fi, I could write any public place, and I like that. The amount of energy that I want to put into it is also dependent on how entertaining it is to me, which is kind of a good filter. It's kind of the way we, we applied. Um, it, it's just the kind of same filter we had in self-censorship with writing records because it's like I'm the toughest critic. Like I'm, I get bored so easily. Everything pisses me off. So like if, if a song is boring to me, then we don't record it. You know, and it's the same thing with this book. Like, if I didn't want to wake every morning and work on it, then I, you know, if I didn't laugh at some of the ridiculous things in there, then I wouldn't want to keep doing it. So, um, yeah. So it's it's kind of the, kind of disciplined, but I really I really loved it too, and um, I'm really excited for when the the print version comes out. Yeah, man. That was going to be another thing I was going to ask. Is like what what's the plan with that? Because it'd be, you know, having the ebook is really convenient. It's nice that it's on my MacBook, you know, and I can just go to it when I, you know, am just sick of Facebook and things like that. And I want to read something that has some actual substance, but there's also something to be said for having obviously the tangible hardback or soft cover in your hand. You know, like I, yeah. I love that kind of experience. I, st I don't have a Kindle or an iPad or anything. Neither do I. 
I, I love physical books and you know they're talking about it being in like urban outfitters and stuff like that so i think that's gonna be a really fun day for me to actually get a stack of them and we'll do contests and we'll do more promotions and stuff but yeah i mean man if i ever saw if i ever saw someone like if i ever saw some kid with a paperback that i'd written in their pocket like i don't know i'd probably be like the proudest feeling in my life i don't know well, I'm sh I mean, you strike me as somebody who reads a lot. That comes across in the reading of this book, in the reading of Weird War One. You know, there's there's so many casual references to historical occurrences, to great literature, to biographies. I mean, are you as voracious of a reader and and you know, in consuming, you know, substantial information as it kind of comes across in this book? I I get my information. I watch YouTube videos of like. Mainly, like, I like to watch conspiracy videos about 9-11. <laughs> like, like, I'm really into the Illuminati and uh, ancient aliens debunked, things like that. Like, I get the majority of my information these days from, like, five seconds of scanning, like, a Maxim magazine or something. But, but back in the day, I did read a lot. And in... In particular, like in college and, and right after college, I read a lot. And I think those are the things that still stick with me. Um, thank God, you know? Yeah. But it's funny, like, I read an old letter I wrote to an ex <clears throat> a long time ago, and I was like, man, I'm quoting, like, French, like, writers that I can't even pronounce anymore. I'm like, wow, was I smart when I was 18, or was it super pretentious, or, like, both? I don't know, but funny i think we're i'm i'm probably slowing down you know in the brain department <laughs> no not at all man i think it's just the opposite in reading this you know um so let's talk about the book because i legitimately have been just totally engrossed in this i finally had a chance to sit down and read it this week um it's been sitting on my laptop for a couple weeks and it's one of these things that i wanted to do i wanted to sit and read it when i had time to actually digest it not just like skim it and then you know come back to it and it's it's a very it's such a, a personal project you know because the format for anyone who hasn't read it is that you're taking a lot of your columns from your raccoon society blog and it's all these people who have written into you with with really really personal vulnerable kind of inquiries in a lot of cases right yeah yeah that's the thing like those those questions themselves are are really entertaining and some of them are funny some of them are really touching but yeah you know it's weird how it just all happened organically i never ever expected to be giving advice on anything heavy but and, and also i think because the original format of this thing was so wild west it was just those questions came in just as comments in the comment section underneath the blog. So it, it wasn't like the site was formatted as an advice column. Like it's not like anyone was limited by, you can only, you know, write, you know, 400 words or 200 words or whatever. It was so open-ended that, that the readers wrote these like detailed accounts of what they were going through. And, that was that was one of the toughest things about writing the column itself was how to choose which ones to answer and i actually had like a lot of people helping me like we we would read every single question and yeah a lot of them are just 
like you said, like super vulnerable. Like, and you're reading these and you're like, wow, like these people felt safe enough to share this publicly. And uh, I don't know, I think that's that's one of the most captivating things about it is, is the questions themselves. Yeah, I mean, for you, who's on the receiving end of all these and who's answering them and reading all them, what kind of emotional toll does that take where people are really, again, in some, at least in some of these cases, really opening their soul to you with some really heavy stuff? Yeah, it would take, it does take its toll, you know? I think, like, a lot of it involves, I don't, I don't one thing, I, I don't know if I even mentioned the book or not, was just the amount of research I had to do because I can't speak from personal experience on, on a lot of these issues but I didn't want to leave anyone hanging and let them feel like they were kind of unanswered. So I would call experts or I'd call family members that I knew could relate. And so you're talking about for just one question, you're talking about hours of conversations with people in some cases, like even super like legal, like I, I, I would, I had a kind of legal responsibility to answer correctly and I couldn't send someone down the wrong path without like serious consequences so i'd be speaking to like actual doctors or actual people from the state and stuff like that and so yeah so that takes its toll and you want to you, you want to give an answer then so once i even have an answer that i think is helpful then to write it in a way that doesn't feel dark and deep you know something so lighten it with some ridiculous story of something silly that i did or whatever but part of that process was also empathizing with that person that wrote it and recognizing wow wait that's a good question what if i was in their shoes how would i get the answer to that and the truth is there is almost nothing out there online without some sort of like there are some sites um out there some people out there but almost always it's got some sort of twisted like religious sort of undertone or like some like shadowy organization that's posing as a everyone is welcome to speak their minds here sort of a thing kind of cultish stuff so the site raccoon society was special because this was completely unaffiliated with anything else it's just human beings chatting at each other so yeah it took a toll you know i was tired but it was very rewarding, you know, that when I finally would post something, when I know that I spent a week on it, and it was it was a really good feeling. Yeah, man. I mean, something that comes across in reading this is that it seems like, not, not to, like, take this in a dark, heavy direction, but it seems like alienation is this very universal equalizer, you know? Yeah. It, it doesn't discriminate by, like, location, age, income. It seems to be so prevalent in so many of these kind of correspondences that people have sent you. Yeah, that's that's one of the coolest things, like just how universal that is. I mean, it's not cool that <laughs> alienation is universal, but it's cool to recognize that because the hardest thing in life is when you feel, you know, one of the worst feelings ever is when you just feel like you're in an abyss, you know, like you're standing completely alone. No one knows what it feels like. And then you realize that someone does, and it's the greatest thing. I think it's why I gravitated towards certain bands and stuff like that when I read in their lyrics that, oh man, you know, I relate to that. But, but yeah, you know, and a lot of these, a lot of these people writing in, 
I keep saying kids, but it's because I'm so old. When I say kids, I'm meaning like 22-year-olds sometimes or whatever, but <laughs> all the way down to like high school or whatever, but or even junior high. But I just found my pair of combat boots from high school when I visited my parents. You know, it was like like the exact combat boots that I wore and that I painted them and they were all scuffed up. And I mean, just picking them up, like that feeling of alienation that you, you know, you're describing, like just came right back. Like, so if this is me kind of on the outside looking back, if maybe that's the one sort of, um, if that's the value that I can kind of bring to this thing, that's cool. A lot of, I was lucky enough to have an older sister who ran with a, a cool crowd of like punks and skinheads and industrial kids. And so I felt like I had more of a network than most people do. And I can only imagine how terrifying it must be to be a total weirdo in a tiny town without any support network. Well, yeah, I mean, and that kind of leads into, again, something else I wanted to touch on, which is like, why do you think that these strangers felt comfortable opening up to you who, you know, they know you through your work, they know you through your music, and maybe that's the answer, but they don't know you personally, and they're coming to you with these with these topics and these questions and these things that maybe are really, really significant or very heavy for them, and again, they don't know you, you know, why do you think that they felt they could open up to you? Well, there's, from all my writings, there was never, it was just so clear that I really don't give a fuck about the type of things that really matter to most people. So I think, I think it's like a complete lack of judgment on my part and to the credit of the people that are also writing in because you're talking about hundreds of questions coming in per week. I can only answer five or ten. A lot of So then a lot of the other users in the community would go in and kind of answer some of the other ones themselves. And so... I think it was a cumulative thing. You know, I'm sure had I chosen to go the other way, like if I was super critical and snobby, like about maybe the first few questions that came in, then I'm sure that would have stopped. But instead I was like really open and like, oh, wow. So, but, you know, I don't want to paint a picture that this is like some sort of sad book or something because it's, you know, I think there's a there's a total balance. A lot of it is like just, you know, some people write in like how to, how to start a band or how to kiss a girl or whatever, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's definitely There's a lot of light, silly stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not like this dark, depressing read where after you're done with it, you're like, oh my God, I feel way worse than when I started. Um, there is some really, really upbeat and some really <laughs> kind of hilarious stuff in there. Um, I like, you know, I'm looking at some of these quotes here, which is, one of the inquiries was from a girl who who maybe felt that she didn't have the ideal body image that she was going for. And you have this awesome response here, which is, remember, there's no diet. You know, you're, you're saying that, like, inner beauty matters and that there's a lot of beautiful people who are just not really kind of what they're regarded as or what they're cracked up to be. But the, the awesome quote is, remember, there's no diet pill in the world that can make certain skinny girls unbatshit crazy. Has that been your experience? Hell yeah, I do. I talk about this. I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, I'm single right now in Los Angeles. I mean, I'm focused on a lot of stuff, but you know, you date or whatever, and man, it's just exhausting 
and the older you get, you just like you start to recognize how little someone's like you know superficial qualities matter. And I I think just because it's New York or LA, maybe it's a hub for the fashion world or whatever. But there's models all over the place, and like that as an outsider, I think when I was young, that seemed like the dream. Like oh man, imagine one day actually going on a date with a model, you know, like, and then you do it and it, you know, that only kind of gets you in the door. Like, wow, that's cool, I guess. So genetically, maybe you're gifted, whatever, what else is there? And there seems to be, maybe this is unfair because obviously like there's a range of people in every profession, but just generally speaking, if someone is in a profession and they're young and the, and it's it's focused strictly on on you know their exterior and they're not in any way encouraged or expected to be also interesting and nice and thoughtful and original then they you know i think that comes later on but man yeah sitting across from a gorgeous person who has no fucking soul and like no, you know, and someone that takes themselves seriously and has nothing to offer aside from their looks. I mean, it's just, Oh, it's nauseating, you know? So man, I would, I would, the older I get my entire paradigm of what I thought I was looking for shifts and it becomes, wait, I don't know why this is becoming like a dating, hangout, <laughs> but you know, like just to speak to that quote, it, yeah, man. Would you rather hang? I would hang with anybody like that just makes me laugh, like make me laugh once. And I honestly don't care what you look like at all. You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that goes such a long way. It's like even just not just romantically, but just in knowing anyone uh, in any kind of relationship, like friendship, professionally, what I'm driven to more and more and attracted to more and more is just like, just be smart or be well read or be interesting you know, have some substance and have something to say. So I like this quote too, which is, if we could learn to love one another with just a fraction of the love that Kanye West has for himself, the world would be a perfect place. And I think that that's actually really, really true. The Kanye West quote? Yeah, man, I mean, it's true though. Like that dude, everybody gets on his case, but like he has so much enthusiasm and confidence and love for himself. It's like, why is that viewed as a bad thing? I think that's funny too. Like there's a fine line between self-belief and self-confidence and rampant sort of egomania, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think we all need a little of a little of both. Is any girl allowed to be weird anymore? That's another question you ask in this book. And you can tell me your take on it, obviously, because you're the one who wrote it. But kind of my takeaway from that is that it seems like everybody has to fit a certain ideal or a certain set of ideals and they have to come across a certain way on Instagram and Facebook and no one's not, they're not allowed, but there's, I think a certain level of homogenization and everyone has to present this ideal version of themselves on social media. They have to be the, the best um, yeah. ideal version of themselves, no matter how unrealistic that is. Yeah, that, you know, that's part of it for sure. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, like, imagine you and I having a child, I mean, not together, but <laughs> imagine, um, imagine a child born today. Right. 
right. what they're going to encounter over the next like 15 years. Like everybody is so, so hyper aware of their own personal image. Everybody's documenting themselves. Everyone is like projecting this perfect view of themselves, which is totally bogus. It's, yeah, it's just unfair in particular for girls, I think, you know? I mean, I, I look at towns where it's funny, you know, I, I look at I look at towns where there's like one weirdo in the whole school and you know, that's that's the person that's the person that feels suicidal, like that's the person that feels attacked and alone, like that's the one person that I want to that's going to actually do something interesting with their lives. Like that's the not to generalize, but it's really ironic that the weirder, edgier people in these towns that actually have a clue, they're the ones that feel attacked. It's really strange. Yeah, it, I, I can't imagine, like, what it would be like to be 14 at this point. You know what I mean? Oh, because man. I, yeah, like, just the level of pressure that would be on you and the level of exposure that you put yourself out there with on social media. The pressure is insane. Absolutely. I, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine couple final questions you know let's let's go out on this note you know having known you for such a long time you know through through all the interviews and everything we've done looking at where you've been the last few years it seems like this has been this period for you in your life where you've been branching out and trying new things you know from moving to new york to moving to la to writing you know your first book What's been kind of the, the larger mindset in, in trying all of these new things and, and exploring all these kind of new experiences for you that, you know, are, Man, I think, you know what? new ground? It's, yeah, yeah. I, I think the overall, that's that's a great question for me because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think part of it is um, just executing ideas. Like, I have so many concepts for films and I, I think I think what it came down to is really just looking at my desktop on my computer like a couple of years ago and I have film scripts sketch comedy ideas multiple book ideas I'm so scatterbrained because I think I took that my, that my kind of art school fantasy of like yeah you can kind of be all things at once you know and and so right. I I was ne I never limited myself and um, but now it's you know I think you get to an age right where you're like all right maybe it's a quarter life cri I mean I've had kind of midlife crisis my whole life like from I remember being 14 I remember being 14 and being like I don't want to be 15 you know I'm not fucking <laughs> it's all downhill from here yeah and it's just I that's that's continued and continued but then you reach a point when you're 30 where you're like oh man, I'm 30 and I'm still okay, then I guess nothing matters. And I think I'm on the, I'm on the reverse pendulum swing of that not giving a fuck and actually starting to give way more of a fuck suddenly and wanting to really kind of carve my name as much as I can in terms of I don't want to like die with like 200 unfinished ideas. So... I think that the solo record was was kind of symptomatic of that weird kind of state of mind, and it was like, all right, I am giving myself, you know, 
two weeks to finish writing these 12 songs. I'm going to record it. I'm going to mix it. I'm going to put it out. It's going to exist in the world. Then I can move on. Because all these, all these just unfinished ideas in my life are driving me crazy. No, man. Um, and what's, the, what's uh, the status of the solo record? Is that done? When will we hear that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's done. In fact, it's really interesting to bring it back to Chicago. Um, I'm talking to the guys, the brothers, Matt and Nathan from um, Medina Lake. Mm-hmm. And they're starting a new record label. So it looks like at this point, like I'm partnering with them on the single. So the single is uh, is that uh, duet. It's a ballad, the duet that I did with Gerard Way, which I'm really excited to get out. That's it's, awesome. I'm just so... It's weird to be sitting on something now for for so many months that I that I just I just really know that the fans are gonna enjoy and it's, it's such a special song I just but you know there's a lot that goes into putting something out and you want to do it right and I'd rather kind of over prepare and kind of over deliver when I put something out rather than like rushing to put something out and then kind of chasing you know chasing my tail the whole time. Yeah, so so that's what's going on. Well, I, I should send it to you, by the way. I should send you some of these songs. I would love to hear it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send you out with one final question. I'm gonna be selfish with this since I've got you. Okay. I'm gonna submit my own Raccoon Society question to you. <laughs> oh no! All right. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you know that I've been doing the podcast now for a while. This is gonna be like the ninth year. Uh, this summer that it's been going on. And and since Q101 went off uh, almost three years ago, I've been working for myself this whole time, and I've been branching out what I've been doing and, and trying to explore new new platforms, new ideas, just kind of like what you're talking about. I want to do different things and not be bogged down in just trying to do the same model I've done all my life. So what advice would you have for me or for anybody else who's looking to try new things personally, professionally, just change and adapt and grow? You know, it's a balance because I think it really depends. There's, uh, I've been told, I don't know, if you were to ask Donald Trump or some like success stories, you know, like they always say just choose that one thing and commit obsessively to it. And, but on the other hand, I think we only find our passions from exploring different things. And it's, uh, it's a balance, you know, if, if I think, I think I thought that I worked hard. I thought that I was doing multiple things and being pulled in different directions and, um, that I had enough to kind of brag about if anyone asked me what I was doing. And then you hang with someone like, like Kat Von D, you know, who I lived with out here for a couple of months and it's like, Oh, cosmetics line, perfume line, tattoo shop, business owner, a shoe company now starting a band, you know what I mean? Like, and just being around people like that, that inspire you, you recognize like, Oh man, you can do so much more. So I would love to see you venture out in, in a lot of different areas. You know, I think you're capable of anything. Absolutely. That's so nice of you to say. And, uh, the feeling is absolutely mutual. I'm so happy to see all the things that you've been up to over the last few years with the solo album, with this new book. It's great to see you growing as an artist and as, as a person. And it's all stuff that uh, I've really enjoyed seeing, man. So thank you so much for taking some time to check in again. 
you know it's always awesome to uh, to be able to check in with you. I mean, man, I've known you forever. It's always nice to talk. I know, to dude. And and the funny thing is, like, maybe it's the maybe it's the dithering on the on the Google compression, but you look younger. You look the same age right now as when I like when I first <laughs> met you when, you. when you were like, how old were you? Were you like 15 when I met you? Something like that. I was yeah. young. I was young. So yeah, dude, you look great, man. Awesome, man. Well, it's always good to chat with you. I'd love to hear the new music. Best of luck with everything going forward. And man, I'm going to tell people about World War, uh, Weird War One, because it is a fantastic read, and it's something that I think people can really walk away with a lot from. So thank you, man. Thank you. That. Yeah, let's let's do this again. Thanks, thanks a lot for the time. Awesome, man. Matt Devine uh, from Kilhanna, from Weird War One, from a solo album from everything on Dynasty Podcast. Thanks so much, man. All right, brother. Have a good night. Bye, man. This has been the Chicagoverse Unlimited Podcast. Thanks to Matt Devine of Kilhanna for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.